What's up, everybody? It's your man, MG Marcus Grant. And have you ever asked the question, is Johnny Utah or Shane Falco the better quarterback? Or do you wonder whether or not Loki would make a better corner or wide receiver? Are you a fan of the O.J. Simpson Film Festival? If you answered yes to any or all of these questions, then Screen Pass is the podcast for you. Check it out every week with Sheehan and Justin on the 32-Bit Network. Could you be listening to any more of the Screen Pass podcast? Chandler, I want you to run a post pattern to the left, okay? And sweetie? Yeah, I know. Go long. You know, it's like all I'm doing is running back and forth from the huddle. Well, uh, you want to just stay out there? Joining me, as always, is a man whom nobody told life was going to be this way. Clap, 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 clap. Justin Barber, how was your Thanksgiving, my man? Oh, it was excellent, Sheehan. I love Thanksgiving, you know? Uh, I mean, what's not to love? It's food, beer, and football. Those are easily my top three favorite things, and it's a holiday that's pretty much dedicated to it. I had a really good time. Yeah, it's right at the middle of Venn diagram, isn't it? It's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. Tonight, as you might have guessed, we are talking about the television program Friends, and given we are talking about TV, there's only one man we could invite to join us, a man who not only knows about TV, but is on TV almost as often as Friends reruns. From what show is this? And remember that player on the Screen Pass Network. Thanks for joining us, Michael. F. Florio, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm I'm very excited to join you guys. And let me just, nothing, nothing is on TV nearly as much as Friends, except for maybe The Office. That's, that's about the <laughs> only thing that is on TV as much as Friends. <laughs> when I first moved over to the UK, I was sleeping on my mate's couch and he had a housemate who, no matter what anyone else was doing, would get home from work, change into his dressing gown and sit on the couch and watch reruns of Friends on live TV. And then if he missed it, he'd go back and watch the Plus Ones, a show that he had in its entirety on box sets. It wasn't on streaming at this point. Every night. And like if you tried to put something else on, he'd, he'd get really upset and throw a bit of a tantrum. So you're right. I did misspeak. There is nothing on TV as much as Friends. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my sister is a huge friends aholic, if you would. So she's kind of like your buddy. Like almost every night you can just set your watch by her. She's probably watching Friends. Mine's the exact same way. The exact same way. Constant friend Friends references. It's great to have you on. As a kid, one of my favorite things was holiday crossover shows. Like you have the same network and then you have two shows and then someone visits. You know, they come on that other show from the same network. So this is our 32-bit network crossover. You know, you, you do your what is this show? 
show with Nick Knack and you talk about TV shows. We talk about football adjacent shows. So it's perfect. We're talking about the Friends Turkey Bowl episode. Yeah, and we waited three episodes to get some stunt casting happening. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great episode to to be discussing. There's a they do more than one Thanksgiving episode, correct? Yeah, they have a few of them. Yeah. That that is one thing I think Friends has that a lot of other shows don't. A lot of them do like one or two holiday episodes and then they kind of move on. Like Friends did it yearly and I think it almost makes it feel like they are your friends because you get to celebrate the holiday each year with them. Right. I feel like that's one of the gaping, possibly the only gaping missing bit of The Office is there's no Thanksgiving episode. I never realized that. They do Christmas, but they don't do Thanksgiving, huh? Yeah, I don't know if there's some reason behind that. That's interesting. Absolutely not. Yeah, Mm. I don't really have anywhere to go with that. It was just a (laughs) real fun fact. (laughs) Yeah. Justin, you say you love the holiday crossover. Do you have any favorites? It's hard to say because most of these things happened when I was a young Justin, just a little guy watching the tube. Things like, yeah, I'm definitely going to be dating myself with this. And I don't know if you're aware, but do you remember TGIF? Every Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they used to have all those shows like Step by Step and Family Matters and all the holidays. They would always do crossovers with those kind of things. And as a kid, you just kind of lose your mind. You're like, you're supposed to be on that show and now you're on this show. And it's it's always exciting. When you said TGIF, I thought you were going to throw out like Boy Meets World or something like that. That's uh, that's my era of TGIF. Oh, yeah, that's that's probably the best TGIF show on there. Oh, I, if you guys ever do a Boy Meets World episode, I'm your guy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if we can find some tangential football link to it, I'm sure we'll do an episode of it. I don't know if it's my favorite, but I've certainly seen the Jetsons meets the Flintstones a hell of a lot of times. Ooh. I think it was just one of those ones that everyone seemed to have, but I don't think anyone ever really enjoyed. I remember that. I remember watching that as a kid. The Harlem Globetrotters getting stuck on Gilligan's Island and then getting rescued at the end of the episode. I don't know if that really counts as a, uh, a crossover. Maybe save it for the basketball pop culture <laughs> podcast. I, I remember a bunch of people appearing on Scooby-Doo, like the Harlem Globetrotters, Batman. I don't know if that, those count as crossovers. I love those as a sure. kid. The first one I thought of was uh, the character from Everybody Loves Raymond makes a few appearances on The King of Queens, which was a show that I loved growing up. So uh, that that was probably my favorite mashup. Yeah, that's a good yes. one. And I immediately, I, I thought of Scooby-Doo too. I mean, those were made, <laughs> made many years before all of us, but still, it was always fun to see a superhero pop up on one of those shows. Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, given it's sort of Thanksgiving-ish, we watched episode nine of season three of Friends, the one with the football. In fact, even it's the second night of Hanukkah, we probably could have watched the one with the holiday armadillo, the other episode of Friends that I have seen. But before we get into that, where do you come down on Friends, Mike? Okay, so I don't think Friends is the best like sitcom of all time. I, I do think, though, that it gets hated on for uh, far too many reasons. Like, for me, the, the upper echelon of sitcoms is like The Office, Seinfeld, uh, I'll throw Parks and Rec in there. I think Friends is like right below that. I, I'm not willing to put it in my top tier, but when you were on TV for as long as Friends was, when the cast made as much money as they did, when it's still on TV nonstop, even though there hasn't been a new episode in like 15 years, I think we need to give it its its credit and say, if it's not, it might not be your personal favorite sitcom, but it is one of the best sitcoms of all time. It's kind of like Tom Brady. <laughs> I think that's a very good comparison. What do you reckon, Justin? You're a big Friends guy as well, aren't you? I am. I mean, I kind of am in the same, the same category. I think... I think with friends is 
it had such a giant social impact. You know, I mean, the show was on from 1994 to 2004. And for younger listeners, at those times, there was no streaming options. I mean, now you have shows saturating the network and you can go on and you can watch a million things, but you actually needed to be at your TV at Thursday at 8 p.m. That's when Friends came on. I still remember that. Um, but it was a much smaller world and it had a much, a much bigger impact. So for me, those were my teen years in the in the time frame that that show was on. And so a lot of my life is a, is in teenagerdom growing into adulthood. Um, that show was just always on, as you mentioned it earlier. It was just constantly on. I'm sure I've seen each episode half a dozen times or more. So it's kind of ingrained into my life. I've moved a lot in my life as well. And there hasn't been one single move where I don't reference Ross moving the couch in the stairwell with his classic pivot. Here we go, pivot. 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 And they're trying to move the couch. Every single move, my whole life, that's been brought up. You know, just other things like um, my sister and me are, are close in age. And as we got older, we would go out and hang out at parties, you know, bars or events. And one of, the, I guess, the more iconic Friends episode is the one where everybody finds out. And if you guys follow the show, you already know this. If you don't, Monica and Chandler started dating in secret for a while. And all the Friends knew except for Ross. And the show ends with Ross getting an apartment like across the West where Monica and Chandler are like basically starting to get it on and he comes in and he looks out the window and he like loses his mind and is like what are you doing to my sister um so anytime me and my my sister would go out to a bar and event and some guy started talking to her I'd yell that from across the room <laughs> we thought it was hilarious usually the guy did not find it funny at all but it's just stuff like that like all those little things kind of ingrained into my life so yeah I was uh, I was never a big friends guy i was always firmly on the side of seinfeld and frasier i absolutely loved as well there's absolutely no uh, football episode of frasier so that is not a show where i'm going to cover on this podcast. but there is seinfeld where jerry goes to the super bowl with newman so I, I was never a big friends guy but even watching it now i think it deserves a lot of credit in setting up a lot of the tropes we still see in sitcoms now it's the same like you watch it and it might seem old and tired and a bit trite but at the time it was groundbreaking tv in the same way that you watch an old movie now and you go well i saw that coming but at the time it had never been done before and i think it laid the pattern for uh, for a lot of shows for me those other like other new york shows like seinfeld sex in the city uh how i met your mother those ones that kind of came after it about that new york lifestyle not a visual medium but uh, michael's mets jersey there i'm a new york guy it. man I, I grew up in new york uh so for me i think any new york show like that holds a special place in my heart but to your point like i love how i met your mother there's episodes i watch of that show where i'm like man this is basically a friends episode yeah. it's the same structure too right yep. i mean it's the three guys the three girls you know getting together so they definitely use that and just kind of updated it a little more modern you have the the ladies man in there and the, the couple the will they won't they couple throughout the whole thing so they they basically kind of but it's a good show i, I like how i met your mother but it's basically yeah. a Friends, Friends reboot. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, How I Met Your Mother is, is Friends for me. I was probably <laughs> slightly too young to get Friends. Oh, it's, uh, it's good. I'm glad we got to watch this. I'm glad I got to revisit it. And I was saying uh, saying tonight, I enjoyed it more the second time I watched the episode than, than the first to get a feel for it. Well, Justin, I think you've got a bit of a, a quiz for us. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we get stuck into that before we start looking at the one with the football? Yeah, so I thought what I could do is maybe just throw out a couple quotes and you guys could guess which Friends 
character it is. Now, sure. I know for sure one of these you'll already get because it's one of two episodes that Sheehan has seen. So <laughs> if he doesn't get that, we get to berate him and make fun of him on air. Um, but let me jump right into it. So here's the first one. If he doesn't like you, this is all a moo point. Yeah, it's a little like a cow's opinion. It just doesn't matter. It's moo. That That is Joey. <laughs> yeah, I knew that one. <laughs> Hands down, Joey. Yeah, you're probably going to get all of these. Um, All right, here's the next one. Ready? And away we go. If you want to receive emails about my upcoming shows, then please give me money so I can buy a computer. That is Phoebe, I will say. It has to be I Phoebe like or wrong. Joey. Nah, it's Phoebe. Well, oh, okay, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, she's play, she plays, uh, you know, she plays the show, guitar, the guitar shows. Playing the cat song? That's the uh... <laughs> smelly cat. Smelly cat. Yep, yep absolutely. <laughs> Okay, the next one is, I can handle this. Handle is my middle name. Actually, Handle is the middle of my first name. Whoa. Oh, that's uh, that's Chandler. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to see if you guys were still paying attention. <laughs> yep, that's absolutely Chandler. Wordplay right in my wheelhouse. That's, good. <laughs> that's right. right. And then we have... Just so you know, it's not that common. It doesn't happen to every guy, and it is a big deal. Rachel, I would guess Ross. It's no Rachel. Idea. Yep, that was their big. That was their big breakup fight. Yep. I, I have a one in six get uh, one in six chance of guessing every one of these, so I'm very happy. <laughs> right. As you say the quote, I can just like he, like that one. I could just hear Rachel saying it. See the scene in your head. Yep. All right, we're gonna we're gonna throw up a softball here. I'm the holiday armadillo. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that is Ross. That is absolutely Ross. That is Ross teaching his kid about the Maccabees. <laughs> Maccabees. That's right. <laughs> and I thought it was appropriate for today. Here's the last quote. See if you can get it. Hopefully by process of elimination, you can. Now, I need you to be careful and efficient. And remember, if I'm harsh with you, it's only because you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I, I think it's I know. Be Monica, right? Yep. It's got to be Monica. Yep. That's it. I feel like Thank the, uh, for the 90s was a big time for Monica's. You had Monica on Friends and Monica Lewinsky. I feel like that was peak Monica. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it never really reached those heights again. I don't think I know a person named Monica, so no. No. They well, missed their I chance to get someone, but I haven't spoken with it, well, since I left uni. There you go. Yeah. I know no Monicas, except for this one. And unfortunately, uh, Lewinsky, which I don't <laughs> think I've ever talked about. It's been a very long time. If you run out of episodes for what show is this, you can go to what season three of American Crime Story, uh, The People Versus, or Impeachment, or whatever it's called. I'm sure we'll hit, uh, I'm sure we'll hit season one on this as well. Well, starring David Schwimmer. There you go. Friends of Zone. Full circle. Well, before we get into this episode, do you guys have favorite episodes, favorite characters, favorite quotes, anything that really resonates with you? Yeah. Growing up, my favorite character was Joey, but I feel like now that I'm older, I, I like Chandler more because his humor is a little bit like I, as a kid, I don't think I understood all of his jokes. But he he is by far the funniest character in the show, in my opinion. Although the love interest of Ross and Rachel was always what kept me hooked to the show. Was I'm a sucker for that, you know, trying to find out if they get together or not. It's so funny you mentioned that because mine actually was the opposite. So watching it when it was out originally, I was all about Chandler. And then going back and watching it, for some reason, Joey just makes me laugh more. And maybe it's just kind of like a second watch thing. And I find it really interesting 
I, I think Joey is one of the most developed characters in the show. Because when they first started, they kind of made Joey like your classic Italian New Yorker guy. You know, he's got the leather jacket and, you know, he kind of just drops all the phrases and he's a ladies man, you know, kind of like too cool for school. And then they kind of moved him into this more like dim-witted, big heart kind of kind of character. And it really came around. It really came together. He's still a ladies man, but he just is, he just became real funny with all those kind of comments, you know? So I, I definitely enjoy both those guys too. Nice. Yeah, I agree with uh, with Mike on Chandler. Having not watched a lot of it, I certainly saw a lot of myself in Chandler in this episode where he's sort of making jokes for no one but himself. And uh, that is something that happens a lot in my life. And they're not always winners. Certainly the audience laughs because the laugh track tells you when to laugh. He gets nothing from his friends, but he, he keeps cracking wise. And I appreciate that. Also, I saw uh, Matthew Perry the one time I went to David Letterman live. Didn't look like he looked in this episode. He looked like he'd been on my diet. I, I feel a certain kinship as a result of being in the same room as him. I feel the same about Makes Paul Schaefer. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. Do you, is, there a, is there a favorite episode you guys have? I feel like I definitely had a favorite episode. I don't watch Friends now as much as I used to just because there's a lot more options now. Like you say, when we were, when it was out, you know, like there was limited options and Friends was usually the show I would put on. So definitely used to have favorite episodes now i i struggle to pick out one instead i think it's more of a show where like i just appreciate the big moments a lot because like they're so iconic at this point and so yeah like like the pivot one is a great example of like you could just say the word pivot to me and it takes me to a friend's episode so i i really do appreciate stuff like that now more i i would say than like one particular episode yeah this one we just watched would be my favorite <laughs> of the two you've seen of the two i've seen i i, I remember moments of like watching it when it was the biggest show in the world and watching it. Like I remember the episode where Joey sort of proposes to Rachel, but not really. Rachel has a baby. I think I've seen the last one a couple of times. I've certainly seen the first one, but no, this, this is by far my, my favorite episode. It's the sort of show I would watch on a plane if there was no other options, but I wouldn't hate that I did. <laughs> not like if I got the big bang theory on they go, well, this is horrible. I'll just read my book. No, well, I, we, I didn't, I didn't mind it. We know that planes on shows do make you cry. Sometimes you reveal that in your draft day movie podcast that we did and i won't let you forget it it's funny because this episode I, that I cried during draft day <laughs> three times <laughs> call that the hat trick so this one the football one was actually i looked up the best rated of all time and this one was in all of them so it was always in like the top i think uh, imdb did one and this was like number six but it was always in the top 10 so this is a really popular episode for our friends fans according to one source i saw it's apparently the most popular episode in the uk i don't know why we don't really have american football except when the jags are playing here yeah um, that's interesting we don't have thanksgiving except for when you know someone american so i don't know why this one resonated particularly when they go to london at certain yeah points, i believe but no i i guess it depends some of the lists i saw it had had was towards the top it was sort of a middling one for sun i've got some really good reviews from people for uh, for later in the show that we can get into but um how about we uh, how about we run through the plot and talk about what happens? Sure. Let's do it. The one with the football, Monica and Ross's childhood rivalry resurfaces when the gang plays some Turkey Day football. First aired on November the 21st, 1996. It's Thanksgiving Day, and after watching a football game on television, the gang decides to play their own game of football. Monica and Ross are reluctant to tell the others that when they were kids, they would play football on Thanksgiving in what they called the Geller Bowl 
competing for the Geller Cup. Two questions here. Do you have anything like this in your families? Do you play Turkey Day football? And not really a question, more of a statement. Opening theme, still an absolute banger. One of the best opening themes, and uh, no, I don't have a Florio Bowl or anything like that. Uh, a couple years when I was growing up, it, we would play football on New Year's Eve, actually. Never never became a tradition like that, no. What's funny, I used to have a job where everyone at work, and I worked there for, I would say like five or six years, and every year, right before Thanksgiving, the week before, we would all do a turkey bowl. Like everyone that worked there, and it was everyone that worked there. You know, interns that came in. Uh, it was a really good time. And then, you know, I've had friends and stuff do it. There was a couple of years where me and my friends got together and do it, but not family. I do have a competitive family, I will say. We do play games and it is play to win. We have this rule that like no one's safe in our family. Like everyone everyone's a target. So but it's not particularly turkey bowl or football. Yeah, you won't be surprised to know we didn't play a lot of football in my house growing up. Backyard cricket and Christmas Day and around the Christmas season. Always a big one. Grew up in a cricketing family, so we did that. But the closest I could think in in my life to the Geller Bowl and the Geller Cup is my dad and his best mate, Uncle Barry, since they were in their 20s, have been doing paper aeroplane competitions around New Year's Eve every year. And they have a mug that goes back and forth between the two of them, depending on who can do the best paper aeroplane, fly it the furthest. And it is, for two seven-year-old men now, intense. That's awesome. Cheating and strategy and practice in the weeks leading up. Like briefly lived with my dad just before I moved over here around that time. And he was like folding pieces of paper and throwing them around just as something to do. It gets pretty intense in the uh, the TAA Cup in the uh, in the Dungey household. Awesome. So the Geller Cup and the Geller Bowl, everyone makes fun of them because that is frankly hilarious. They tell everyone that they can't play football because their mum says they're not allowed to play football anymore. They go into the story. Turns out that Monica broke Ross's nose when they were kids. <laughs> we also get peak skinny Matthew Perry where he might have been more coke than man at this point. And as, we, as they head down to play football, it looks like he's wearing Andre the Giant's clothes you know it's interesting is it it opened with the giants football game so they we assume that everyone's a giants fan in in this group chandler has a giants hat on backwards uh monica has a sweatshirt on that's giants and so that specific game was in 1996 was the Giants versus the Vikings. A little fun fact is they say the Giants scored a touchdown and then they start having their conversation. It breaks away from the game and the friends have the conversation. The only touchdown scored in that game was in the third quarter for one yard over the line. So it's a little fun fact about that game. What I find the most odd about this game, if we're assuming they're all Giants fans, who is watching their sport, their sports team on Thanksgiving and at halftime decides to leave the game game and go play a game of football <laughs> that would never ever happen in my house he at least finished the game but halftime they're like hey let's go play a game of ball our own for avid fans that at least have all the gear i think uh they'd probably finish the game first right, back to the summary however the two of them this being uh ross and monica will get so competitive that during geller bowl six monica ended up breaking ross's nose which i talked about leading their parents to throw the geller cup into a lake and forbid them from playing football again with the gang edding, egging them on they decide to play anyway how would you have drafted the friends i mean joey has to be the number one pick yeah joey 101 easy he looks like he can play yeah like i would think matt leblanc might have played a bit of bit of college ball of all of them yeah certainly the most athletic and as you mentioned chandler was 
was pretty much skin and bones at that point. I think that they drafted him exactly how you would draft him. They went Joey, Chandler, Phoebe, and Rachel. Rachel was excited to play, but she couldn't catch a ball to save her life. No, we've all got that friend, though. We sure do. With the gang egging them on, they decide to play anyway. Monica picks Joey and Phoebe. Ross picks Chandler and ultimately Rachel, who is upset about being the last pick. I talked about Chandler's attire, big baggy clothes. Monica is wearing a giant sweatshirt. And my friends, I say my friends, I just follow them on Instagram. They're not really my friends. I bought something from them once. National Vintage League, which is a UK NFL and and American football vintage clothing supplier, did a raffle on Thanksgiving Day. They called the Monica, which involved a replica giant sweatshirt that she was wearing and a replica Gela cup, which I don't think it comes... Oh, no, it does. Spoiler alert for the next sentence here is a troll doll on top of a wooden plaque. So they were raffling that off to anyone who bought something from them on Thanksgiving. I was very tempted as I was currently watching that scene unfold as I was browsing Instagram at the time. It's amazing to me that... Like, I know how big Friends is here, you know? It's amazing to me how big it is elsewhere, though. Yeah. Well, I think it, it sort of speaks to that kind of new... New York identity, like in the same way that Seinfeld is very New York. It's sort of, this is what cool hip people do in New York. They sit in coffee shops and live in loft style apartments and all have sex and not have sex with each other. And live in apartments that are way bigger than actual New York apartments and way cheaper because they, they, they can afford to sit around at a coffee shop all day while living in Manhattan. Absolutely. <laughs> I've only been to one New York apartment. It looked nothing like that. Yeah. Very lower small. East side. Yeah. They're in the Lower East Side. And you have a someone who works as a barista and for a long time an unemployed chef. I don't know how they did it. I have no idea. But they do mention was, how it was rent controlled. In real life, they they would be living in Queens or or Brooklyn, something like that. They would they would not be able to afford Manhattan prices. I think these days they'd be no in Jersey way. City. There you go, Delaware. <laughs> that, there that, even more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very different show. Now I talked a bit about what um, Chandler was wearing. Joey's wearing a maroon twenty two jersey. Any guesses at who that is, Justin? I think you know because you probably go to the same source as I did. Uh, no, I don't know. I should know. You said maroon? Yeah, maroon. Maroon 22. Clinton Portis? I don't know. It's Doug Flutie from his 1984 ah. Heisman season. Apparently he and uh, Matt LeBlanc from the same town in uh, in Massachusetts. So that's why they went for that. Funnily enough, this first aired 21st of November 1996. On the 24th of November 1996, happy birthday, Dad. Uh, Doug Flutie won the first of his Grey Cups with the Toronto Argonauts. So fun little fact there. And, of course, the last man to kick a drop kick in the NFL. So Rachel upset about being last pick the guys refuse to include her on any plays because she's terrible at football they keep telling her go long go long at one point she says how long and ross says until we start to look really really small she gets too bored and wanders off for a snack again we always love this justin the unnecessary information in the the plot summary here there was one point where even like around this time where rachel's like all it seems like i'm doing is running back and forth from the huddle and ross is like well if you want to stay out there and she takes the football and throws it at his head <laughs> I did wonder if they got that first time because she really throws the ball quite hard into his head and it bounces straight into Chandler's hands. I was very impressed. And yeah. then later she throws it straight into Monica's head. So I, I don't know if this is like this is it modern family where Phil hits Luke in the head or Luke hits Phil in the head and then it bounces straight into the basketball hoop and then they spend the rest of the night trying to recreate it and just give whoever it is brain damage. I, I wonder if that's what happened here. I was very, <laughs> as I say, I was very impressed. I found it interesting too, some of the football stuff that they did. Like the very first 
kickoff, Ross positions the football on top of his foot and Chandler yeah. goes to kick off and like kicks his foot. And I don't know, we've all had pickup games and we all have friends that try to do that weird stuff. You know, I'm like, obviously he's going to get hurt. I don't know about you guys, but whenever we play ball, especially in a small environment like that, we either throw it or we just punt it and we start it off. Typically we just do a throw, um, which they ended up doing. But I found, I, I liked a lot of those little things. Like at one point, Ross is talking to Chandler about going to the outside and he does the classic on the chest playboard, you know, where you're writing your key, you know, you do the little like scribble on someone's chest. Every single game I've ever played in that's been done. You either write it on the person's chest or your own chest. Like this is where you're going to go. That's why I like those little things. It was, it was kind of nice. There was good attention to detail, I thought. And uh, we get probably the best nineties montage sports song. Get ready for this. You want to play rough? We can play rough. Let's get ready to rumble! But is that the best 90s sports song going around? I'm sure you'll know it if you hear it. I would probably have to hear it, but did I have the Tiger come out in the 90s? Because if so, that wins by default. Or is that the 80s? It would be close. Yeah, I would have to go with that for sure. I think it might be 80s. There's also, you're the best around. That's a good one. <laughs> I think that's 80s too. 80s really did have the best one. Oh man, way before the 90s. So yeah, that's out. So it's this one by default. It's, um, oh, you're the best. Here we go. Joe Esposito. 1984 as well. Very. That's a banger. That was always one if we won a uh, flag at cricket, that would come on well into the evening celebrating. This is what it starts. Two songs that sound like this, but it starts with a let's get ready to rumble. And so do, 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ready for this. Is that and from uh, from Space Jam? That's the best one. I was going to say, it's in everything. It's in, well, yeah. there we go. Space Jam, I Believe I Can Fly, another great sporting song of the, uh, the But I believe th- th- this one they play when the game's about to start and, like, they show the, I- I've seen Space Jam way too many times, but they show everyone, like, all the cars coming to the arena and stuff, and that's playing, like, right before tip-off. So, yeah, yep. that is that is the best sports song from the 90s, hands down. There's also the mashup version with that and a bunch of other, like, kind of pump-up songs. I think it might be called ESPN Jock Jams or something like that. I don't know if you can endorse ESPN, Michael. Uh, with I, I, I'm sure I probably could. Uh, if I hear that song, I'll probably know it for sure. <laughs> Where it, it starts the same with this kind of stuff, and then it brings in some of the other, like, classic 90s sports songs, which is apparently... I could see you getting pumped up for that in the 90s, but, yeah, this is, this is classic. The irony being, get ready for this, the band for whom I haven't bothered to write down who it was by, they are actually Dutch, and this segues nicely into the b plot of the story is that there is a Dutch passerby and Joey and Chandler begin to compete for her affections. What did you make of this, Justin? I I thought it was a good subplot. You need more going on. I mean, obviously the focus was on Monica and Ross, but Joey kind of came out of the gate a little bit like a jerk. I thought he was a little too, a little too harsh on Chandler because when he saw him, he was basically like, Chandler said, I'm thinking about getting her number. And one of the overarching things with Chandler is he just broke up with his infamous girl friend Janice. Janice through the whole series. Um, so he's heartbroke. Uh, so he's he's like, I'm gonna ask for the number. And Joey's like, well, I think it's a stronger case if I ask her 
get my own numbers, you know, just basically saying that Chandler can't do it. So this becomes like a sub sporting event where they don't really care about the football. They just care about competing with each other. I thought it was nice. Yeah. I mean, it's an odd plot and she is in no way Dutch. We'll get to these, uh, these horrible reviews in a bit, but based on what I read, it seems like it could have caused an international incident that these Dutch people taking offense at a bad Uh, performance. I was going to say though, you know, on, on Thanksgiving in a park is, the best time to uh to to pick up on random dutch women i mean we all know that oh, 100%. <laughs> I, I understand what it had to do to add to the story but that's one of those where it's like all right yeah they they needed a, a sub story there I, I get it right it's interesting because they they brought her back to for dinner as well which i don't think i've ever met anyone in a park and brought them back to dinner on you thanksgiving on thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> not like a random thursday right, 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 right. on thanksgiving right <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's ridiculous, but we've all been in those sporting situations where there's sort of a, a pretty girl nearby and you sort of suck the gut in a bit more and maybe try a little bit harder and, you know, a sneaky flex or something like that. I've never impressed anyone with my sporting ability, that's for sure. <laughs> So after Monica's team has the lead, Ross is upset. It turns out basically that Monica throws a pass and did the time ago, didn't the time ago, Phoebe catches it, and Ross sort of goads Monica into saying, the game's got to continue by calling her a cheater. They orchestrate a trade, Rachel for Joey, turning the game into boys versus girls. The girls try to beat the men by using their femininity, including Phoebe repeatedly showing off her breasts to Chandler. It's the second time he sees uh, one of the friend's breasts. The third, funnily enough, being Monica. That's the last <laughs> ones he'd ever see. And during the last 30 seconds, Monica has no choice but to throw to Rachel, who finally catches the ball. Actually, let me just rewind a bit here. The second last play of the game, they almost do a bit of a Philly special try, like you loop around and then throw it to me. They let Rachel try to get involved, and she runs off scrambling in the whole other direction. And she said, and not for the last time a New York quarterback wearing green has said, they were all just coming at me and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> As she <laughs> runs She's screaming off into the distance. She, she wrote the lines for Mark Sanchez uh, 20 years in advance. <laughs> yep. And then Sam Darnold and now Zach Wilson. Yeah. Bad play this weekend. Anyway, well, I can talk <laughs> about my issues with Zach Wilson until the cows come home. We'll save that for the Zach Wilson episode of this. Now, the last play is a slow motion play. And Justin, you told me off pod that the scene of Rachel jumping up and down in slow motion is the greatest moment in TV history. I did not, but I also don't necessarily <laughs> disagree with that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, they certainly knew where their bread was buttered, I think, in the early the early days of the season. So Monica has no choice. She throws to Rachel, who catches the ball, seemingly scores, and then spikes a big gronk spike. Chandler points out she's actually short of the goal line. It's a Deshaun Jackson. Go the early celebration, drop the ball, and fumble. Phoebe realizes since no one tackled Rachel, the ball is still live. Ross and Monica dive for the ball and get into a jump ball situation. It says here, I think Monica clearly recovers. I think if you're under the pile there, I think your Jerome Boger or your Clay Martin is saying that there is a clear recovery recovery for Monica. That's not how it works though. Several hours later, everyone's inside with the random woman they met in a park eating Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) Ross and Monica continuing to fight over the ball in the dark, only momentarily paused by the realization starting to snow. And that's the episode. I think that we need to jump back just a little bit because there's a big scene in this. And I don't know if you guys were I got mildly obsessed over it. So before, let's say, halftime of this game that they have, Monica goes to take the snap. She says, hike, and the buzzer rings. And that was her buzzer for halftime to go base the turkey. They show the buzzer up close, and then Ross argues that the buzzer came before the snap. 
Monica says that it was already in play. I rewound that five times. I jumped back to see if I could see it. <laughs> Just ultimately, there was no conclusion. They made it ambiguous on purpose. Did you guys focus on that at all? Did you, did you, were you curious who was right and wrong in that exchange? Because it's a really big deal in the episode. Yeah, I, one thing that I will say I do when I watch uh, TV shows and they have like sports episodes, I get too caught up in the rules a little bit and I'll be like, well, they can't, or, or like they're saying this, but that wouldn't happen because like, so, so yes, for sure. There used to be this basketball movie on Disney Channel when I was a kid and the move that, that the girl would do is she would pivot her feet like she was stepping in place and then run. And I'm like, that is a travel. Like you can't like, so yeah, I always get, get caught up in moments like that and stuff when it comes to sports TV shows. No, I'm with you. I uh, I thought it was clear that the bell went before the snap. But as we've seen this year in the NFL, the rules of when the actual timer goes and when you run out of time is not necessarily when the clock hits zero and uh, you get Justin Tucker with a last-minute winning field goal, which could have been five yards longer, sucked into Detroit. Yeah, for um, the record, IMDb said that she threw it after the buzzer. Now, she did yell hike, then it went to the buzzer, and then she had the ball in her hand. And so, that counts. I don't know. The ball snapped before. We've seen plays with zero on the clock as long as it snapped before there's zeros. That, that's the rules guy in me, you know, being like, no, that would count. That's what I said. I said, hey, she yelled it. We didn't see it, but she definitely yelled it. I have to assume that it was hiked and ball was in play. I, I say give Phoebe your touchdown. Now, Especially if you had Phoebe on your fantasy team. Oh, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. One-on-one. <laughs> calling, calling back on pass interference for uh, for flashing someone, I would think. Although it could be like an airbud thing. There's no rule to say that you can't lift up your shirt and, and flash the opposition player. Zeke does it all the time, I think. There you go. <laughs> Oh, I understand that uh, we've got to let you go, Mike. So we might as well wrap up here and we'll go into these reviews uh, just to finish off the episode. But we have an official rating scale here. It's the draft scale and shows can either, well, whatever we've done can either be a first through seventh round pick or if it's really bad undrafted. Where does friends in general come down for you? And I suppose within the context of that, where does this episode come down? For me or, because friends yeah, is, yeah. Is, for, is no doubt a first round pick in, in TV show history it's not my favorite but for me if it's not it's probably a borderline first round pick maybe a second round pick it is a show that well i don't watch it a bunch now i watched it repeatedly growing up like just like justin i've probably seen every episode at least a half dozen times because it was just what i would watch on reruns over and over and over again and this episode is not my favorite episode uh, I, I would have to really sit down and figure out which one is my favorite friends episode but it's up there this is a really good one uh it's entertaining you get to see i I think it's cool that all six are like together the entire episode you know like it's not like joey's here and chandler's here and you're kind of seeing all them go throughout their day like you've seen a lot of episodes so i like the fact that they're all together i like that it brings in football if it's it's not my favorite episode but it's definitely up there yeah you're right about them being all together it's sort of a sneaky bottle episode or or almost a bottle episode it's just them and and the dutch woman well what do you reckon justin before i give my uh, my verdict. Yeah, so I mean, Friends in general is a first round pick. I mean, we've gone over the culture 
cultural impact of it. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the Beatles, but it's kind of in a sense like, you know, you might not love it, but you got to respect it. I personally love the Beatles, but even if you don't love it, you got to respect it. And that's Friends. Um, this episode, probably a second round pick for me. I mean, maybe it's it's more iconic on Thanksgiving, but there's a lot of other episodes that we've referenced where I'm just like, I love that episode. I think that episode's great. Um, this one is iconic, but maybe not my favorite to watch. I think if we're talking using musical metaphors, for me, Friends is David Bowie. Everyone keeps telling me it's amazing, and I just don't need the over-the-top hype for it. I can acknowledge that it was groundbreaking. It's just not my cup of tea. That said, I enjoy this episode more than I thought I would. I'm going to say I didn't enjoy it more than Draft Day, so I'm going to say I'm going to say this is a fourth rounder. For me, this is like a fourth round guard who ends up playing for like eight years, nine years, reliable, maybe not a starter, but you can plug him in. It's not going to give away too many holding penalties. I, I didn't mind it. It's not going to make me watch any more episodes of it, though. I'm trying to think which musical artists now Friends would be for me. Someone that I like, but others love. I'm, I'm trying to think of who that would be for me. I feel like Queen is in that category for me as well. It's like everyone used to like it, and then maybe now not so much. It's one of those I, things that everyone gets into early. Friends is still kicking, though, man. And, and I feel like it's more popular now than it was, like, 10 years ago. Like, there's a streaming. Sure. Like, it, it's given it new life. And apparently, it is more popular in other... Ju- or just as popular in other countries as it is here. So... Yep. Uh, I have one fun fact on Friends, and I'll bring everything together. I'm wearing a Met shirt because, you know, it Max Scherzer Day. But former Met Wilmer Flores used to come up to bat to the Friends theme song, and the reason reason is because he learned how to speak English watching the show Friends. Uh, that's wow. pretty cool. That's very cool. That's more interesting than anything else we've talked about in three years. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I'm, uh, I've, I've Mets investment, given all my in-laws are Mets fans. Having watched them extensively when I was in the US recently, I feel your pain because they're exactly like my Australian football team. I know, I know we have to jump here, but we do a quick thing every episode where we have this seven degrees of separation between our shows, our internal podcast shows, and Friends is going to be the center point for all of them because they have had a million guest stars on it. Uh, one of the biggest one, obviously, being People's Sexiest Man Alive, Paul Rudd, who was Ant-Man. Our first episode who, was about the comic. the same age now that when he was actually on Friends. You can't yeah. convince me he's not a vampire. Has to, be. Has to be. A little fun fact about that. He got the part. The casting director only wrote down the word dreamy, and then they gave him the part for Phoebe. Wow. And they brought him back because fans loved him so much. So I don't know. There's big. There's a big uh, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd uh, fan base out there. There's a bunch more that we could probably connect, but the other one that we have to probably connect is uh, John Favreau. So he played a uh, love interest of Monica, who was a millionaire. He makes her the head chef. And then he gets into mixed martial arts, but he's like really bad at it. So he's just getting his ass kicked all over the place and they end up breaking up. But obviously in the MCU, he's Happy Hogan. He was the director and executive producer for Iron Man and just killed it with Mandalorian. Oh my goodness. What a good, what a good series. Um, So those are just a couple, couple connections. We could probably do a few more, but we certainly in the future will connect back to friends because they have everyone on there. Off the top of my 
my head alone, I'm like thinking like Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt, Ben Stiller, oh, yeah. like the, the list goes on of people. It's very similar to Seinfeld in that regard. Seinfeld had a bunch of stars who before they were stars just made small cameos on it. Friends was that show for a lot of people as well. It had co- well, Courtney Cox shows up in Seinfeld in The Wife. Yes. As uh, Jerry's fake wife to get discounted dry cleaning. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up here, but we'll let you go, Mike. Do you want to, you want to tell the good people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me uh, over at 32-Bit, of course. Michael F. Florio on Twitter. Uh, for 32-Bit, I host a podcast with my lovely wife, Nick Nack, uh, called What Show Is This? Where if you like this show, you would love that show. We just discuss a different TV show each day, give all of our thoughts and opinions and all that and more. Uh, and then I host a show called Remember That Player, where it's a short YouTube video where each week just a di- I pick a different random athlete from, from the past and just kind of talk about him. It's been, it's been going really well there. And then uh, Twitter, Instagram, Michael F. Florio, NFL, uh, NFL Network, NFL.com, all of those places. But 32-bit, check out that content first. Absolutely. And you're right about uh, remember that player. There's some connective tissue. Arian Foster last episode, Ray Jennings himself from Draft Day, finally got drafted, and it was in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) He deserved it, man. He should have been drafted in real life, too. 100%. 100%. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Justin. I want to leave our good listeners with some of these Dutch reviews. So we'll get you to hang around. We'll we'll put a bow on it. But thank you again, Michael. I'm sure we'll have you back to talk Boy Meets World or, uh, well, now you're just our resident TV expert, aren't you? So there we go. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. So Michael's left us, just you and I, and now that we have this alone time, I need to get real with you. So in my research for this episode, I came across a treasure trove of angry Dutch people, and I don't think we can finish this episode without talking about them. So these are all reviews from IMDb. We're not going to start sealing segments from other podcasts, shout out how did this get made every week, but for the sake of this episode, we're going to. So we start with this. There's mostly pretty positive reviews, but they're, they're not really interesting. We're going to start with this two out of 10 from Laith Laith, who on the 8th of June, 2019, started their review, ID. This is one of the cringiest things I've ever seen. Somehow, eight people of 37 found that helpful. So, <laughs> now we move in on depth, to... In-depth analysis there. Yeah, and I is it cringy? I don't think so. I, think I don't really... I, there's nothing I can think of that's cringy, you know? I mean, it, the whole episode is light. It's just, the whole show is light. It's just a light show. There's definitely cringy things in all those great 90s sitcoms that make you go, oh, under the a modern lens, this is not that great. I didn't feel like there was anything in that this episode. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been sort of boys versus girls, but ah, anyway, maybe this person's cringy. Hey, what do you think of that, Laith Laith? Anyway, next one, four out of ten. Astrid69599 says, Dutch, hell no. The worst episode of Friends. IK really loved the series even 25 years later. The Dutch girl sounds and looks Russian. Hurts my eyes to watch this episode. Again, seven out of 22, so just under a third of people finding that interesting. And then we, we really get into the angry Dutch people now. Oh, let's go. Gloves off. Mariel De Hege here says, five out of 10, one of the worst episodes, which let's start with five out of 10, if that's one of the worst, it's a pretty good show. Where do I begin on this one? I love Friends, but this episode is just cringy. The football rivalry is strange. The Dutch girl is not Dutch at all. Joey pronounces her her name better than she does and then ross throws in all the stereotypes you can think of when joey and chandler fight over marga i don't think it is pronounced marga <laughs> as a dutch person i'm kind of a 
offended, but also understand why so many Americans believe we live in windmills and walk around on clogs. If this picture, if this is the picture painted in the media, Friends has given us some great TV, but this episode is not it. When you think Dutch stereotypes, do you think windmills and clogs? 100%. But besides that, <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't. I don't really think that she referenced anything Dutch at all. At some point, he asked Joey where she's from, and Joey doesn't know, and it more reflects on Joey than the Dutch lady. I don't really see it. I mean, sure, maybe the accent, maybe the look. This day and age, I guess you kind of have to draft someone, who, or not draft, you have to cast someone who's <laughs> Dutch. But yeah, I don't really see where the where the offense is coming in. In any language, if someone doesn't know how to pronounce a name, I could see getting... Uh, no, I can't. I can't see getting offended because people have that problem with English all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yes, there's stereotypes, but like, what does the average person know about the Dutch people? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe why did she have to be Dutch? Why couldn't it be French or something like that? Maybe it was just the actress they got. But uh, yeah, I mean, and it's not like she was wearing wooden shoes or something like that. And you know, no, it's not like <laughs> going she's getting high, to this, <laughs> right. riding bicycles everywhere. Or right. Actually, I got a I got a story off the pot about when I went went to Amsterdam. That's not appropriate. For me to tell on the show but it's quite funny um <laughs> i think the the whole thread about her being dutch and then chandler asking where dutch people are from and then saying the netherlands and joey confusing that with never neverland i thought that was quite funny that got a genuine laugh out of me me too it was one of the better jokes in the episode you know and it's no yeah. I, I don't see any offense to dutch people again it's a it's offensive to joey yeah. But then again, uh, I'm not Dutch. No, that's true. We got another five, five out of ten here. Marga is an insult to Dutch people. I love friends, but I really hate this episode. Supposedly Dutch girl Marga is not even close to a Dutch person. Her accent is weird. She pronounces her name wrong. Having blonde hair doesn't automate, automatically make someone look Dutch. Such a shame for such a good show. Next one, five out of ten. Uh, every time this episode comes on, I'm facepalming myself because of that Dutch girl. She seems nothing like a Dutch person. Her accent sounds Russian. I legit thought the actress was Russian or from another Eastern European country. She could have given her some credit. Apparently she's American. Now, see, I could get that. I could get if the accent's off and the name's off and she's presenting herself as Dutch and can't even pronounce the name properly. I could see that being bothersome to people. This person goes on to say that the wig makes it look more Scandinavian, which I think is fair. And he finishes with, Americans really have no idea, do they? This episode loses points because of that poor excuse for a character, it's embarrassing. And then the last one I'm not even going to read into because this person goes into an in-depth pronunciation of how she should pronounce her name and that she sounds more Russian, Ukrainian, or Belarusian. So this feels to me a little bit like how I feel when I see the Australian episode of The Simpsons. And okay. they go there and it's like, oh, look at all the stereotypes. Like, I can live with people thinking the boot is on our flag and, and everything like that. But clearly these Dutch people, no sense of humor. Those, <laughs> those classic, that classic Dutch trait. <laughs> Shout out to all our Dutch listeners. <laughs> You're listening yeah. to Stephanie Banks, the girl I went to school with. Who was Dutch. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I can get if she's not pronouncing the name correctly, especially since the joke kind of banked on them not being able to pronounce her name. The rest of it, I, I don't, I don't know. Is this enough to cancel Friends? Well, considering the show was has been over for you know <laughs> over what, twenty years at this point, yeah, sure, why not cancel it? Before we wrap up the show here, I'll leave you with one last question: Why does Ross, the largest friend, simply not eat the other five? I don't know. <laughs> we might get Nick, Nick to drop a clip in there from Futurama. This is ancient Earth's most foolish program. Why does Ross, the largest friend, not simply eat the other five? That's funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if you like this, I don't know why you're still listening to it, but if you like this, you can follow us at 32bit on Twitter. That's the number 30, T-W-O-B-I-T. This is, of course, the Screen Pass podcast. Keep an eye out for us on socials in the coming weeks and months. going to try and get something going on there. This is, of course, the number one football and pop culture podcast. So thank you for listening. We've already said goodnight to Michael. But, Justin, what do you got for us? Telling the people where they can get in touch with you. So if you want to chat with me or have a conversation i'm on justin underscore b on twitter and if you want to see some work that i've done design web work you can find me at justin-b.com i definitely recommend you checking that out if you are in the market for that sort of thing thank you again to michael f florio the nfl's own and 32 bits own you can of course find him on twitter and uh, you can actually find him on cameo as well he has a five-star rating on cameo i meant to bring it up with him but i totally forgot so before I sign off, I just want to say thank you again to super producer Nick. You can see all of his fantastic work at Iowa in the NFL. He is, of course, from Hawkeye Productions. I don't know if he actually stuck with that name or not, but he absolutely should have. And from me, I am at Sheehan Solo. That's S-H-E-A-H-A-N-S-O-L-O. Subscribe, rate, and review as always. When we're coming up to Christmas, I don't normally plug my books, but check out Yada Yada Yada, The Little Guide to Seinfeld, and that's what they said, The Little Guide to the Office. They're on Amazon. I think they're in all good books stores. In fact, if you're listening in Australia and England, you can also get the Little Book of the Ashes, which is coming up. We'll get to whip the palms there. They make great stocking stuffers. I actually don't get any money if you buy them, but if you buy a copy and send me a picture of you with a copy on Twitter, I'll think you're a really cool dude. Well, that's it from us. Justin, send us on. Sheehan, I just want to let you know that I'll be there for you. And I'll scream you later, friend. <laughs> <laughs>